Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Welcome to another edition of Alternative News brought to you by Andrew Irving from the Campaign for International Cooperation and Disarmament. Welcome to the summer break repeats of the best of Alternative News from 2015. This week we welcome again Hannah Middleton from the Anti-Basis Coalition in New South Wales in Sydney. Hannah, welcome again to Alternative News and Community Radio 3CR. Thanks, Andrew. Today we want to talk to you about the national meeting of IPAN organisations that were held in Queensland this year. Unfortunately, the CICD was unable to get up there to the conference, but I'm sure that it was uh, from the agenda and the resolution a very important meeting. So we're very interested to hear about what happened there and also the demonstrations to be held against Talisman Sabre, which is also occurring up in Queensland at this time. OK, let's start with IPAN. The Independent and Peaceful Australia Network held its second national conference in Brisbane in the first week of July, just as Talisman Sabre war games were starting. We had delegates from every state and territory except Tasmania, and one of the decisions we took was to try and make sure that we can bring Tasmania in too. The number of organisations, not just peace organisations, environmental, women's, trade unions and so forth, affiliating to IPAN is growing and it is developing into a genuine national peace organisation, something we haven't had uh, for some years in Australia and which is really welcome. There was an awful lot of debate But there was also a great deal of unity and a great deal of determination. One of the things that a number of people said is that we're always talking about the problems. We shouldn't forget that we have closed arms bazaars in the past and that bases have been closed by the peace movement around the world. It is possible to do it and we should remind ourselves of those successes so that we can continue with real determination. Really, the the conference, through presentations by guest speakers and through some very intensive workshop uh, discussions, focused on activism, on research, on information, on how we work and how we can work more effectively. And we adopted a number of priorities. Next year is the 50th anniversary of the signing of the Pine Gap Agreement in 1965. We adopted uh, a number of issues which we will deal with through research, lobbying and direct protest where necessary. The first priority for us is the 50th anniversary of the signing of the agreement which allowed Pine Gap to be established. In 2016, we will go back to Pine Gap, we will lobby about it, and I'll come back and talk a little bit later, if that's okay, 
about what's been happening at Pine Gap. Another focus for us is the stationing of U.S. Marines on our territory in Darwin. And we argued strongly that this results in a loss of sovereignty and independence for Australia. So getting the Marines out of Darwin is a major priority for IPAN. The third is that Australia is still engaged in the international arms trade. And in 2017... The Avalon Air Show in Victoria will have an increased arms trade sort of fair component. We closed down the arms trade in Canberra, ADEX, and we prevented an arms trade fair in Adelaide from actually being, it was cancelled, didn't take part. And we intend to do something about Avalon in 2017. Another concern is that the Defence White Paper will be brought out by the government soon and it will be necessary for the peace movement to really critique that because we are fairly sure that that is going to continue the subservience to the Americans, the war games that make us a sort of de facto arm of the American military, you know, the agreements that take us into you know, places like Iraq and Afghanistan with all the barbarity and criminal activity in areas which actually have nothing to do with Australia's interests or security. One aspect of the Defence White Paper is the question of military spending. At the moment, we are spending over $87 million every day. $87 million every day. And we're the sixth largest importer of military equipment in the world. Two weeks ago in our program, we talked about the crisis in Greece. And we approached the question of the massive deficit of Greece by looking at past history of defence expenditure. In Europe, Greece has spent a lot more than other European countries on defence in general and armaments in particular, particularly buying large amounts of arms from France and Germany. This week, in preparations for the White Paper, it's uh, been some reference to the possibility that the federal government will pursue its 2% growth target for defence expenditure, um, which could mean by 2023-24 a spending increase of some 14 to $16 billion, uh, which will uh, blow out significantly the budget forecasts. I know this was a very important point, but do you have any comments on the significance of this potential budget increase and the fact that the main reason the Labor government uh, could restrain some of the increases because there was a fairly significant deferral of expenditure on a lot of hardware. Yeah, well, we spend an unacceptable amount of money on military preparations. It is way beyond anything needed to seriously defend Australia. We spend in order to be able to fight with the Americans in their various military activities. And don't forget that, you know, the Americans have been at war, what is it, something like every second year since 1945? I can't remember the exact figure, but it's something that is quite appalling. The United States is a country which uses war as a means of 
economic, military, political advantage. And we buy weaponry to allow us to take part in that. Now, the Abbott government is committed to a 2% increase in the military budget. We don't call it the defence budget, we call it the military budget. We know that they're going to buy submarines, which may cost as much as $50 billion, although there are some reports in the paper saying that they're not going to buy all of them, they'll buy less. We don't know what's going to be in the defence white paper yet. We know that the government is planning to spend $15 billion on the F-35 planes, which can't do the job they're supposed to do. And it looks like they are actually totally useless as a plane, but they're going to cost us $15 billion. So we know that we have a government that is committed to exorbitant military spending, which is committed to some major purchases. They may also take up some of the purchases that the Labour government deferred, but we won't know that until we see the defence white paper. What we do know is that both Labour and Liberal government can make a lot of noise about budget deficits, reining in spending so that they don't have a big deficit and so forth. But in budget after budget, they have not cut military spending. It's this sort of untouchable within every budget that is brought down. And until we can actually sort of open a window onto that and get people throughout this country saying, but this is ridiculous. We don't need all this stuff. We certainly don't need the F-35s because they're useless. We don't need all these submarines. The ones we've got at the moment are never at sea. And the ones they're going to buy, presumably from Japan, and we, as I say, $87 million. Think how much that could do for homelessness, domestic violence, education, climate change action, Aboriginal communities, health spending. I mean, the list is endless of areas of our community which have legitimate demands for funding. And yet we're wasting $87 million a day on the military so that that will be a further focus for IPAN in the coming months and years. Now, while we were um, debating, uh, we received news that uh, three activists had entered the war games area in Shoalwater Bay near Rockhampton in central Queensland, and they had been arrested fairly quickly. Activists report that there are drones overhead constantly, that they are being watched from the skies 24-7. We know that there are other people who have gone in, but we haven't had any news yet of what's happened to them. In Darwin, one activist, Justin, was arrested. He, the Marines, the American Marines, stormed a public beach and he waded into the water to get in the way and be difficult. And he said he was surprised that he, it was an hour with, with sort of people just going round him before the police actually came and arrested him. So that there is non-violent direct action going on. There are marches, there are meetings, there's a concert in Yapoon. So there are a great many activities going on, and we had a, a protest before we went up to the conference, a protest about Talisman Sabre. We went to the Defence Department with our slogans, don't be yanked into war games, 
cancel Talisman Saber. Talisman Saber kills dugongs, kills whales, and so on. And we were outside the Defence Department for about an hour and a half. In other centres, peace activists have been trying to draw attention to the war games and the threat they pose economically, militarily, strategically, because, of course, they contribute significantly to the growing tensions in the South China Sea. And we were very interested that this year there were a number of Japanese troops involved in the military exercises as well. And, of course, the Japan now has a very conservative Prime Minister Shinzo Abe, and he has been working with his party in Parliament to get the clauses in the Japanese constitution which forbid Japanese troops to fight overseas. The Japanese army is supposed to be solely a a self-defense force. However, that's been gradually undermined over time on the ground. Now Abe has forced through changes to the constitution so that the Japanese army, which is already highly armed by the Americans, that can now legally fight overseas. And the 1945 constitution, which made Japan a center of peace, really, has been really destroyed. I wanted to just say something about Pine Gap. There's been a fair bit of publicity recently, and I think that, you know, many Australians can no longer claim that they don't really know anything about Pine Gap. It has always been a base which monitored missile launches to give early warning, which established targets for American nuclear missiles. It provided targets for uh, drones in the Middle East, and its satellites really covered a very important part of the world for America from the Middle East oil fields through to China. So it's always been one of the most important bases for the Americans in the world. Now, recently we know from revelations by Snowden that Pine Gap has been upgraded. It has new antenna. It's working to sort of pull down just about every communication that exists using satellite. And that this effort, you know, to pull down all communications of all kinds means that its spying, its surveillance role has been massively upgraded and it is now a centre of spying on the world. This is all we have time for today. Listen in again next week to part two of this very interesting interview with Hannah Middleton. I am Andrew Irving, looking forward to your company next week. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.